This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. National Reconciliation Week has kicked off and the theme this year is more than a word. Reconciliation takes action. Progress has been made, but there are still major issues of inequality and systemic racism where the rights of First Nations people are ignored, denied or reduced. And over the years, NITV has worked hard to represent Indigenous stories and bring injustices into the light. Tanya Denning Orman is the Director of Indigenous Content on NITV and joins us today. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning. <laughs> it is great to have you on the show this morning. Um, and the theme for this year's Reconciliation Week, more than a word, it implies so much, but I get a sense that uh, it's also about taking time to listen more deeply and to understand. Would you agree with that? Most definitely. Um, for me, I'm hoping, um, you know, the more we're talking about it and um, engaging in this conversation, um, uh, you know, as the theme is, action comes from that. And But it's more than just on this week. So for me, I'm hoping, you know, this is a way to centre us as Australians to think about what we have achieved. And when I say achieved, the you know, Reconciliation Week has three really important dates where Australians really made a difference. So, um, you know, yesterday, or well, there's the start of Reconciliation Week, we have um, Sorry Day, and that's the tabling of the Bringing Them Home report, where we as Australians acknowledge the stolen generations and you know, the past injustices and the impacts that are happening today. There's also the anniversary of the 1967 referendum and very few referendums have ever gotten up. But as Australians, we voted to ensure that, um, at, you know, as weird as it is, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to be included in national census. And, you know, we the quick um, pitch is the vote. But essentially being acknowledged as people and, um, you know, our, our numbers matter, even though we're only, say, 3% of Australia's population. It's a very significant percent. Mm. Um, and, you know, back then Australians all came together, 67. And then at the end of Reconciliation Week is actually Marbo Day. And that is when um, the, the highest court of the land acknowledged that it was actually not a vacant piece of continent when Captain Cook came when he declared it terra nullius and in fact it was you know home of at least 300 different nations a civilization that is the oldest continuous culture on the planet that we all get to be a part of and enjoy in that knowledge so that happened um, you know in the early 90s when the high court made that decision and then for me as you opened up what more or that we should be doing because Frankly, you know, we've had, um, you know, the gap's not closed. Um, we, our incarceration rates, uh, you know, uh, embarrassing in global scale. Like, you know, this time last year, there were Black Lives Matter rallies all over the world for the, you know, murder of George Floyd. And, you know, we've had nine deaths in custody in the last couple of months in Australia. Um, so there's a lot more that we need to be doing. So I guess for me, Reconciliation Week and what it means, you know, it's Australia's week. It's not the, um, it's not, you know, we have our NAIDOC week, but Reconciliation Week is what we can do as Australians and acknowledge what we have achieved, that we're at, we are capable mm. um, to make the changes, but also really think about the fact that, um, you know, we've got 
human lives, Australian lives that are not equal in this country. And, you know, the sad thing is that the, this is the, the first peoples of this country and the, it's, a, it's a culture we all belong to because we live on this country. So if we can link that together and, you know, as you asked me the question about, yeah, the listening, it's the listening, it's the conversation, it's the two-way interaction. And then as this theme is to remind us all, it's the action that comes after that conversation. Mm, absolutely. Uh, storytelling is such an important part of Indigenous culture. Did you always want to be a journalist and, and share stories? Yes, I did, actually. Um, well, when I say always, I, I've loved storytelling. I grew up in central Queensland um, in a mining town. I'm Cookayamajin and Barry Gubba. So Cookayamajin is Cooktown, around Cooktown. Hopevale is where my community actually, where Captain Cook, um, the Endeavour, ran ashore for about seven odd weeks. Um, a lot of words that Sir Joseph Banks captured were actually Cookayamajin words like kangaroo. Um, and I'm also Barry Gubba, so that's around the Sundays. I grew up in a mining town called Blackwater and, um, you know, I wasn't really inspired because of two things, really. Um, you know, I we used to go to school and there's a lot of opinions and ideas about the world I was growing up in and uh, I realised a lot of that information, you know, the television box back in the 80s, a kid of the 80s, a lot of people got their information because um, our population, as I mentioned, is only around 3%. Um, six out of ten Australians have probably never met an Indigenous person or some don't even care to. Um, and so, you know, I was I saw the purpose of um, or the power of media at a very young age because it wasn't what I was growing up in. And also the fact is I felt that a lot of um, kids I was growing up with or the teachers were missing out on some incredible knowledge and information. I'm extremely proud of my grandfather's stories that he used to teach us how to survive and, you know, it's all, you know, um, interwoven into really um, action adventure. So I, I really loved um, the power of story both to correct wrongs but also to inspire um, and entertain and make change so I um, you know and then you know I was about 10 years old when I saw a beautiful black woman reading the news so this is in the 80s mm. and at a time where I never saw in my family or communities on um, TV at all like you know the country practice it might have had an indigenous person who might have been locked up or you know the the perceptions were very negative and um, when I saw Rabina Colby um, I thought wow and she was in control of the news and the information and I figured if she can do it I can so I learned quite young the power of seeing what you can potentially be and you know I speak about that a lot and it really did make a difference because a lot of the other professions I saw around me were miners or railway workers or um, you know didn't see women in um, those sort of positions of authority so um, that inspired me and I basically knocked on the door for a few years until they let me in to the ABC and became a journalist that way and then set up my own production company and then proudly, um, you know, after I was overseas for a bit and got asked to help set up um, National Indigenous Television back in 2007. So I thought it was a part-time gig um, and, you know, it just totally got into my DNA about you know, creating more stories and more opportunities and really getting into more Australian homes to really, um, you know, connect with us and importantly see the truth that they've been missing out on and a truth from a, a, a perspective that they're missing out on as well. Mm. 
I, I, I feel like it's an amazing thing and it's such a, a right thing that we have in ITV on our screens. Um, I'm guessing as, as kids grow up, it must be really important for young people to see Indigenous stories represented on screen. I think not just, yeah, not just Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, um, but all Australian children to hear mm. themselves represented. You know, I think um, uh, our kids' TV is not where it used to be in Australia in general, and I'm really proud that NITV is one of the only platforms that keeps investing in children's content. But for young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, you know, the, the power of influence and positively being included in society, I'm really proud, particularly of a series called Little Jane Big Cuz, which we also deliver out in different Indigenous languages. And it's a it's a diverse classroom. It's a classroom like many classrooms our kids go to. And um, you know, being able to see yourself and hear yourself um, in a way is you know that's really important. But also for you to not see yourself and not hear yourself and that interaction, um, that's really important for society in general it's important to see how others love how others connect and you know that's really important for children to be exposed at a young age because as I mentioned if you're not living in those communities or connecting with people um, in your everyday life that's where I guess media is so important and the ethics of media is so important Mm, absolutely Um, the the indigenous media sector has come a long way but what challenges do you still face Well, you know, it's resourcing as well. It's challenging. We've had to really, you know, NITV has um, come from decades of lobbying to have an existence in the Australian media landscape and, you know, um, you know, governments, all sides of parliament have made it clear they weren't going to support a third public broadcaster and, you know, that was one, um, you know, lifeline that came into existence for NITV when we became a part of SBS. And, you know, that was what was really good about that is the commercialization. So we could actually, um, you know, generate revenue. So every piece of money that we earn um, can create, you know, goes back into content creation. The content creation goes back into the, you know, production economy. Mm. And, um, you know, there's that multiplier effect with investing in Indigenous um, content is um, Indigenous storytellers. And, you know, not it's a two-way um, investment where you actually also receive incredible stories and knowledge as a consumer of this content. But it is really hard for the Indigenous media sector because um, beyond NITV, a lot of it's on a smell of an oily rag and it's um, it's challenging out there to, um, you know, a drama series, for instance, can cost around 15-odd million dollars. NITV's core funding is around that amount. So that's for 24 hours, you know, and creating a lot of content. So we're very innovative, um, We, but we're, we're survivors and we think outside the box and, um, you know, I'm really proud of our efficiency model. Um, you know, I think other media are having to catch up to that. Um, the other component is, you know, our media world is still about that commercialising of, you know, the ratings and who's watching us. So for us, 
as a channel, um, as I keep saying, our population is so small and our core reason for existence is for Indigenous people. But if we're going to make a difference um, to our policies or how um, governments are treating Indigenous people, we have to influence the majority of Australians. So how do we connect with Australians to actually understand what is happening is really important. But when our population is so small and our funding so small, it's really hard to try and, you know, it's not impossible though, but to get more Australians to connect with us and our stories. And like I like to say that it's their stories. Like, you know, we're all here together and it's really important, um, not just in a um, civil rights um, purpose, but also in the fact of, I think, our truth-telling as a nation to really understand this country and celebrate it. And as an Australian, you know, our culture is about as much about um, the land where we're occupying or the land we're born on. Um, as non-Indigenous people, you're born here or you're connecting, you're on country, you're actually with our ancestors, you're a part of this story of ours. So it's um, we've got to look after this place together and, you know, really keen with our uh, media and storytelling, um, how we can get more Australians to connect with us. And But for, you know, as you asked earlier about children, um, being able to, you know, how important it is for children to see themselves. It's, um, you know, for so long, Indigenous people were, not, were excluded from Australia's media. You can see us and, you know, we, we were literally excluded within our own country. And, um, you know, that the psyche to that, um, you know, goes deep. And, you know, you're forever living in two worlds in, in your own country, which is challenging. And, um, you know, we, we love this place and we want to make this the best place it can be. Hmm. Yeah. I, um, my, my daughter goes to preschool and, uh, and I love that she came home one day and just told me that every morning they start the day by singing a song, we live on Darug land, we play on Darug land. Thank you, Darug people, for sharing your land. And I thought, this is so cool. I never had this growing up, you know, and yeah. I just think I, I hope that this is a common thing in preschools, in schools, that there's that education of the land, the country in which we are we are living on and thanking those who share it with us. I know our children in our culture, our children are our, our teachers, our grandparents, and, uh, you know, that fills me with so much joy as well. It's so different from what, what I was doing. I think... Um, my school, I, I, I'm on, on that cusp where we used to have to sing God Save the Queen and right. raise the flag every morning to think that, um, you know, I hear this a lot and that's why I really love what we do in the children's space um, where we get messages from teachers as well. So, you know, I think when you see that and hear that, you do feel there is that hope and and it's it's. It's special. It fills your child with that spirit as well, which is really understanding their belonging on the, this place as well. So, and the language and the nations were beautifully, um, you know, the 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 three hundred odd different nations and the complexities and the knowledge that we learn from it. Um, you know, I I totally love those stories, and I'm hearing more and more where schools are doing that. So, I think that's really important. Yeah. Look, uh, there is still a need for, for unity here in Australia. Uh, for listeners hearing this who seek to be an ally and a champion of First Nations people and, uh, and, and, and issues not just this week, Reconciliation Week or NAIDOC Week, but all year round, what are some things that we can do to help or is there anything that we should stop doing? 
I think you know when you consider yourself an ally, um, what what's the tangible you know effort you can do, and that it is something um, that's not just in the weeks or on those particular days where we celebrate Indigenous culture. It's um, every day. It's you know, something like what your your daughter um, does with um, acknowledgement of country, and um, it's. You know, switch on NITV, give, give the channel a plug, learn, um, make an effort to learn uh, on, you know, understand um, the country you're on. And if you are around that backyard barbecue and that, you know, that conversation that does happen so often in Australia, um, call it out and encourage people to actually sort of understand um, the, the deeper issues with it and um, talk about it constantly. I, I really encourage people to go to our festivals. You know, we love we love a good festival, our community. We love our, um, you know, music, entertainment. Um, you know, every capital city, I think more and more towns have, um, you know, just gatherings of music festivals. Just go, go hang out and connect. Um, you know, make a point of it and make a point of it every day. You know, every day you step out. Like as Australians, sometimes I think a lot of Aussies don't realise how black they actually are when you love your country you love your your um you know the the world around you and there's stories all the time and you just you know embrace that um but you know the seriousness of it is call out call out the racism and don't don't be afraid to do that um be bold and um and then you know if your school isn't doing those beautiful welcomes to country as a non-indigenous parent so much more powerful that you then call up your principal and and say why can't you know let's do something more you and you um you 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 put the effort in to make it um, make that change i think at schools at your local council and just say well it's not good enough that we we're not doing anything and you know and connect with your local traditional owners or um, groups and I'm sure they'd love the help. So that's real tangible sort of connections. And, you know, sometimes people think, oh, what if I say the wrong thing? Or, you know, just, you know, just um, don't let that be your barrier. And, you know, my, we don't mind that, you know, just as long as you're trying and connect and, um, yeah, so just don't be um, passive, be an active participant in, the, the, in this, um, you know, as I mentioned, when we with reconciliation week we're acknowledging um you know in 2000 so many australians walked over the bridge that was great but what was that next step after you walked over the bridge like keep the steps walking keep the steps going keep making the actions happen and mm. you know it will be something of not a conversation piece of us talking about um our kids doing an acknowledgement of country every day it's something that is like a, a yeah of course it's a it's a part of our dna um and that will be truly amazing when it becomes like that yeah wonderful well tanya denning orman from national indigenous television thank you so much for your time uh this morning sharing with us uh more about you and your people but also uh, encouraging us to be better allies and champions of uh of the culture that we all share here in australia thank you so much no worries thank you Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.